Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? So, hi, you're listening to Light Hustler. I never even told my guest I changed the name. Yeah, I hope that he doesn't cancel right now. It's quite a change. It's it's a change. We'll we'll get into that. Um, the podcast formerly known as Recover Girl and formerly known as After Party Pod. I've changed it a few times. Um, I'm your host Anna David. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the podcast. If you're new, I am going to get right into my guest because it's John Taylor. From Duran Duran, I'm being completely calm and cool. He has no idea what's going on inside. Um, But this is a true thrill and an honor. And um, I'm just so glad that you're doing this. You're welcome. Um, He's also an author, and I devoured his uh, autobiography. When did it come out? About five years ago. Now. Five years ago. And and you actually wrote it yourself. Well, I mean, I did have a guy working with me. I don't think I could have done it without him, actually. Um I sort of, I wrote, let's say I wrote the cornerstones mm-hmm. by myself, but, you know, there's a huge amount of uh, research and um, involved. And, um, I mean, by actually getting the book, you know, printed and, and released, required a lot of minds, you know, other than, other than my own. I was really humbled by the experience, actually. I mean, I, my, I mean I've always um, respected authors, um, but after that, more so than ever, really, just how much work is involved. Um, so I'd like to claim it all as my own, but but um, but Tom Sykes does have a credit on the cover. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, he's a good writer, too. Did you yeah. know him from sort of fabulous Britishness? I knew his sister, sister Plum. Plum. And um, actually, Tom had come to my wife, Gila. He wanted to tell the juicy, the juicy story and pitched pitched her with that and um that didn't work out so he, he, he said well what about you who are you what do you do i don't like i'm a musician he goes well why did you tell your story I mean, no, not quite like that but uh, and uh, it was a it was a uh, it was a moment in time actually when uh, keith richards had just put out his book and everybody the, the 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 walls were just falling every everybody who could play guitar was was ready to tell all. And uh, so the timing was quite good for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, no, it's really about memory, you know. Um, you know, I'd lost my, I'd lost both of my parents at that point, And I'd lost, uh, you know, and with them went the connection to place that was the street that I grew up on, um, that I went back to my entire life, because my dad died in that house Mm. um the city that sort of raised me and nourished me and um so a lot of the book was a tribute 
to to the, all of that, and um, and also I think it was, um, you know, we have. I mean, I mean, the band now. Most of our conversations are like memory tests, mm. and and of course I'm thinking, wow, these guys have got really bad memories. I'm going to have to put it down on paper because I'm the one with with a memory. <laughs> and actually, since I mean, only the other day something came up, and I realised that I'd got I'd got I got some timing wrong. On, in one of the chapters, not that anybody not reprint, that, not that it really matters, but I was like, oh, oh my god, oh, so um, yeah. But it was a good thing to do. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely glad I did it. Had you thought about doing it before? I'm imagining people came to you before that. Not really. Um, I mean, the people that came to me said, we're going to help you, you know, it's not going to be, I mean, I suppose one does think about it because, because I've, I've sort of, I'm a very occasional diarist, you know, like when I feel the need to, you know, to fill a few pages of, you know, of what's going on with me right now or uh, some kind of memory, um, I will do it. So I, I, I did have a few ideas about events and how I could tell them. Mm -hmm. I think I knew, I think I knew the attitude of the book, you know, mm -hmm. I knew the voice of the book and what it was going to be. Um, yeah. And, but it, it wasn't something that I, I, I really seriously thought about doing. Now I think about doing another one, but what would it be about? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, um, th there's always going to be more. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I think I like plumbing the same depths in a way, you know, like looking deeper into the same material, you know, rather than going in a completely opposite direction, a uh, different direction. I, I quite like the idea of really going in the same direction, but going deeper. But I don't, I'm not sure what that, what that would be. Well, and what's interesting is in terms of uh, having the memory, you know, in, in being in recovery, there's a lot of work of unearthing. So it's sort of like you've done a lot of your prep work in, you know, because we're forced to look back, um, especially when we first get into it. And you're, are you 15 years? 20 something. Oh God, I was trying to feel superior. I forgot you had more time than I did. Um, but, but that is a huge part of it is sort of taking inventory, looking back and, uh, re-examining through new eyes yeah i think uh a lot of people most people that that don't take the sober route that aren't in 12-step programs have no sense of the amount of work that those of us that are have to do and that you know that 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 um you know there's a reason why we we don't drink or use mind altering chemicals one day at a time because you know just every day there is, we have to kind of recommit to that idea. And, um, you know, and I think one of the things that gets said that I heard early on is that, you know, what kept, what keeps you sober today may not necessarily keep you sober tomorrow. And, um, you know, and I, I, I found the amount of things that come up mm -hmm. with me, amount of, let's call them issues mm -hmm. for want of another term, the amount of issues that come up that really on a, on a normal day, on a pre-sober day, I would have a drink over. Yeah. You know, I'd just drink over it be, right. be, I mean, and deal and just deal with it. Yeah. It just be done with. Yeah. You know, but that's not an option. So we have to really, we have to really 
put those issues under the micro magnifying glass and break them down or discover uncover discover discard yeah you know? and it's and 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 uh, look there are times you can coast a little there are times when you can just you know you can get by but inevitably something will come up mm-hmm. and um you know and it's usually something that's very close to you it's usually something to do with family or mm-hmm. or work or self-esteem you know and it's it's just something that th- there's no external fix for right you know that you just i mean even though i'm all about external fixes oh me too <laughs> love them you know i mean if i can you know if i can buy a new piano over it you know then i'll do that and that will work for yeah. like 15 minutes yeah. or even 15 days sometimes mm-hmm. i remember when i um you know, when I sold my first book, I remember thinking, if I just sell my first book, I'm going to be happy for the rest of my life. Yeah. That, that'll be it. And it lasted two weeks. And right. then I was like, oh, my God, there's a second one. Yeah. Um, when you were coming up as a, you know, as a young man, did you have that? Or was it not even conscious of I'm going to feel happy? I'm going to be fulfilled as long as we're a hit and then it happened? Hmm. I mean, I, I don't think that I was an unhappy kid. Um, quite the opposite, actually. Um, I think I was quite happy in myself, but the uh, the the career kind of required me to be a lot, or it seemed to me at the time to be a lot bigger personality than really what I was. So you know, in order to expand, um, you know, I had to, you know, I had to be so many things. In such a short space of time, um, and you didn't I, have time to think about it, even. You know, I mean, like almost within space of twelve months, I had to become like a worker, you know, a, a partner in a firm. I had to become a, you know, a laborer working with a with a team of people. You know, I, I was an only child. Suddenly, I had four brothers. Um, I never left home. I didn't get a passport until after our first record came out. Suddenly, I'm traveling all over the world and adjusting to all these time changes, you know, jet lag, you know, um, cultural, you know, opportunities. Uh, and, um, you know, and the demands of, you know, uh, of the job, um, you know, moving from my hometown, leaving my parents' house. I mean, actually, my, you know, I mean, what the book, book one of the big, like, um, kind, of, kind of revelations that the, the research for the for the book brought me to was that after the Rio album came out, which was like the big global smash, I was still living with my parents. I was still occupying my old bedroom, which was about eight foot by six foot. Wow! I was still occupying. I was going back, you know, after touring America, touring Japan for the first time, you know, big Christmas tour of Britain, going home to my. You know, to my old home with my par- where my parents lived, and and like you know, and, and like you know, two days after getting back, and after like the novelty of, of of the young pop star coming home, you know, had worn off, like fighting with my dad over what we were going to watch on the television, set right. and thinking, I think it's time to move on. I think it's time to go. But, you know, they're, they're they're big steps, and um, and the romance, you know, all the romances, and you know, really high emotional. Uh, you know, really, really, you know, just a lot of stuff happened in that first year, even, you know, subsequent to us um, putting our record out. I mean, I met Simon in June of 1980, and he was like, the he was, the, he complete the circle, you know, 
And um, right away, we started writing the songs that would become our first album. We, we were fortunate to make a record deal within four months, maybe five months of Simon joining. That's crazy. And, you know, and we had our first record out in January 81. So I'd known Simon, you know, for s- six months. And then we were off. Um, and, um, you know, it was a lot, you know, it was a, it was a lot to adjust to. You know, and most of it was fun. But, you know, the for me, the alcohol and drugs particularly, like, were stronger than I, it was stronger than I was. And I, I didn't, I didn't realize that, that that at the time. Right. I couldn't understand why the rest of the guys were like, when they said they were going to bed, they went to bed. And when they said they were going to have, go out and have, go to the hotel bar and have one drink, they'd go to the hotel bar and have one drink. And I was the one that more and more often found myself like, like crawling back to the, to the hotel, you know, at 5, 6 a.m. in the morning, you know, right. Leonardo DiCaprio and the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, just like, like, like as everybody else is getting ready to leave. And I'm like, what's, you know. What's wrong with like, them? Yeah, well, yeah. What's wrong with them? No, but more often, what's wrong with me? And, um, and you know, also, I think that the lifestyle, you know, you just got, you just got so quickly, I got so quickly into this lifestyle and uh, I wanted to be living it you know, 24 seven. And, um, I just didn't know what to do with myself, particularly when there wasn't anything happening, even though it was a very busy time. Inevitably there would be, you know, there would be a couple of days when my services weren't required. And that's really when I would get into trouble. Um, I mean, I, that's something that I came to understand, you know, in more recent years, like in the last 30 years, 20 years like it's what you do with your time off it's sort of i hate this phrase that sorts the men out from the boys but mm. you know it's one thing when it's all about when you're working and, and 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 everything is on and you can deal with it it's like when you've got no you know when you've got no responsibilities that's when um that's when you really have to be careful oh my god there's so many things you said that i that i i have want to talk about um Okay, this is so interesting to me, this thing that, you know, that you were a happy, well-adjusted kid, loved all of these things. Then this happened to you. And we were talking before we started recording about, like, how much is lifestyle and circumstance? Do you think, had you not become a major pop star, um, that possibly you would never have uh, developed alcoholism at the level that you did and needed to get sober? Well, you know, anybody that is, uh, that that sort of, diagnoses themselves with alcoholism as I did and ends up in a 12-step program I mean we do kind of accept the idea that there was a there's a genetic uh, there's a genetic problem and that you know whatever it was that you know whatever our life experience had been we would have ultimately you know uh, encountered uh, our alcoholism um, so you know and I found that I, I found that a really good um, I, I like that idea, and um, I think it's one of the things that uh, I mean. I was thinking about talking to you today, and, and you know and what it is about, you know, about the twelve step program that just makes it so powerful today. I think it's, you know, there's a reason why it's growing, you know, and and um, and one of the reasons is is that we we kind of we kind of take responsibility, you know. We don't blame our parents. We don't blame our partners we don't blame our teachers you know i mean look we can look we can look at the effects of our parents experience we can look at the effect of 
you know, what happened to us when we went to school. But ultimately, we kind of accept that, you know, there's a genetic, there's a genetic difference between us and, um, and people that can, can take alcohol or leave it, shall we right, say. Right, right. Um, and, um, and that was a very important idea for me to buy into um, mm. because I was so filled with blame and resentment. I mean, I, by the time I got to the end of my 20s, it's sort of my career had been and gone. I mean, I was, done, I was over. I was washed up, really. I mean, I'd been in a band that had a, had a lot of hits and I'd been a pop star and on a lot of people's walls, but I was, I was washed up. Hmm. I, I, I mean, I, I was like, I was just this blob of like guilt and shame and, 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 and resentment and uh, that, that I'd had all these opportunities and, uh, you know, and I'd, and I'd blown it, basically. I was very, very, you know, hard on myself. But consequently, everybody that was close to me, such as my parents, really got it. Yeah. You know, they, I used to call them up and say, it's your fault that I, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And, um, you know, and right away uh, in my first uh, introduction to the 12-step program, I was told, no, 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 it's not about them. It's not about, you could have been, you, for instance, I was an only child. I thought, that's got something to do with it. Why didn't, my, why didn't my parents give me a brother or a sister? You know, it's like, well, you could have had, you know, five brothers and five sisters and you would have still been an alcoholic. You would have still right. had these problems. Oh, well, it's because I'm a, I was a pop star. And well, no, you could have actually been a bus driver and right. you would have been an alcoholic. And, and it was like, and, and, and I kind of thought, and I, rem I remember thinking, well, it's not so much believing, believing that it's just appreciating that the idea is significant. That if you can just even acknowledge that that's an interesting idea, because I think, it, you know, jury's out as to whether there is well, incontrovertible scientific proof. Right. But, but it is a good idea. And it's something that, because most people that get sober, let's say in midlife, let's say any after their mid-20s onwards, almost always they're full of anger and fear and uh, resentments, you know, and they're, they're generally pointing their finger at mm. everybody that got them in that mess that they find themselves in that moment. And, uh, and we don't do that. We say, no, 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 you got to look inside. That's where, that's where the problem is. And this idea of this faulty gene, you know, is like, really? Huh. Huh. Okay. All right. I guess I can, I can go with that. Mm -hmm. won't, it won't hurt anybody to, to, to go with that idea for a while. And um, and then we all, then we get to work. You know. Yeah, I always look at it as um, you know because when I, I didn't think there were any alcoholics in my family when I got sober, it was only you know sort of it quickly became revealed to me that it was called different names, but that's what it had been. Um, but I think of it as we have a genetic predisposition, and then that's either sort of exacerbated or diminished depending on what happens yeah. to us. Um, but speaking of good ideas to believe, something in your story that I really relate to is is it was the cocaine that really like sort of amped it up. I don't know about you, but when I was first exploring sobriety and rehab, I was just like, yeah, alcoholism addiction, different. Appreciate the fact that you think they're the same. Not to me. Did you ever have any of that? Say that again. Like just not because cocaine was the major problem, not really believing that that was alcoholism, sort of saying, well, that's addiction and that's different so I can keep drinking. 
Well, one thing I knew was I very rarely got into cocaine if I was sober. It was usually that I have like, you know, one polite drink and then I'd start thinking, it'd be nice to have a little Coke. Mm -hmm. You know, it always followed. So alcohol was the gateway for me. I never, I never really thought of myself as like a, an alcohol lover. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, I never like, I never, very rarely would I drink myself into a stupor. But, you know, it was just this, it was just this, you know, it just, it just loosened my, my, my barriers, my scruples, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, and Coke, uh, definitely, um, yeah, I mean, it just, uh, it just helped me be, it helped with one of the characters that I felt needed to be amplified. The big One of the aspects. Well, I think, you know, like, like, you know, the, uh, you know, certainly the after, the after, the after party player, you know, like the job's done, mm-hmm. you're exhausted, time to go home and go to bed. Well, no, I don't want to do that. I want to like reap the fruits of my mm-hmm. labors. I want to get out there. I want to party. I want to have, I want to, you know, I want to, you know, I want to have a good time. And, um, you know, and I needed a little, I felt that I needed a little help to do that. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I've got a little bit of a manic personality anyway. I mean, you know, I like, I mean, I still kind of use coffee today a little bit like I have to really watch it, you know, because like uh, if I've got a day off, you know, we're talking about time, time on your hands. If I've got a day off, no responsibilities. That to me is an excuse to have at least six espressos throughout the course <laughs> of the day. That's how I get off. Um, and uh, yeah, and Coke was like that, you know, and it just, uh, I could, I could go at it all night and, uh, you know, and, um, you know, it, and it, it was fun at first, you know, and, um, then it, it, it did start to get in the way of, of, of things it started to get in the way of work, it started to get in the way of creativity. And, um, and you, so you'd think, well, then you've got to cut down on the drugs, right? And I was like, no, I really need to cut down on the work, you know, <laughs> because that became, that became the primary, uh, I became the primary thing for a few years. And, uh, you know, and I often talk, you know, I, I don't mind talking in meetings, but I'll, t- I'll tell anybody how really at the, at the peak of the band's, you know, first wave of fame, you know, which was probably 1984, uh, 83, 84, we were touring, playing places like the Forum here in LA, Madison Square Gardens. That was really the time that it really, I was really flying. And, um, and you know, I didn't really... I couldn't really appreciate what was happening to me. You know, I was too busy thinking about where my next, fi- you know, where my next fix was going to come from and just to make sure that I had what I needed for the after party. And uh, I think, I think it happens to a lot of people that get into recovery is that they realize that, um, you know, because they had this addiction, you know, and the addiction was causing them to behave in certain ways. And they actually got to miss out on, on so many of like, you know, nature's, generosity you know you hear all the time about people that you know they weren't there for the birth of their child or the death of a parent or you know all sorts of things that they checked out you know because they were too busy chasing their uh you know chasing their their needs you know their their addicts needs and uh so we kind of come back and we become very um uh, very driven, actually. I think you know, sober people are very, very driven to make up for what they lost, and um, you know, and this starts out almost as a bit of shame, 
but then it's but then it's just like well look i've got all this energy today you know and uh, you know and there's this you know and you start feeling a little righteous because you're sober and mm-hmm. you know nobody else you know you don't ever have a, have a hangover and um uh but you know you do get this chance to put put it right in a way well and also the thing i that you said that i really relate to is this idea of the of the day off and like especially talking about it back then but even now yeah. um for me work is a way i escape i channel that quote unquote alcoholism and i've spent so long beating myself up for it and now i'm like terrific I try to tell myself this anyway. What a healthy, sure, there are healthier escapes, but what a wonderfully productive way to channel that. Do you relate to that? Um, I mean, I know that I, I love giving myself days off. <laughs> I mean, I, I, uh, I go at it quite hard. I go at work quite hard. I'm quite demanding on myself and I'm quite quite driven still actually to to get things done um but equally uh i kind of love it when when there's a vacuum and um and i can just kind of what do you do slum what do you slum what's slumming like to you i mean i'll watch i'll watch like three games of soccer you know i mean i'll just like uh uh yeah i mean I probably will. I'll, I'll do crosswords. You know. I mean, I like to read. You know. I mean, I. I mean. I mean. I think when you're an artist, it's like everything is material. It's very difficult to do anything that doesn't, in some way, relate to um, to my work. Mm-hmm. Um, Even the crossword. Well, yeah, because you're keeping your brain going, aren't you? I mean, that's very much. I think it's like a brain workout. You're keeping the keeping your brain work. It's all about word. It's all also about words. Um, I mean, I mean, actually, like, I'm not kidding. Like, watching soccer, which is I, I can watch like you know, two couple of games a week, and that is one of the few things that I do. That when I'm doing it, I feel like I'm absolutely doing nothing right mm-hmm. now. And uh, and how does that relate to art? And well, I'm saying it doesn't. Okay, it's the one. So thing. it's entirely like I don't need to be fear. I don't. I can watch it, and I don't need to feel like I need to be taking the experience and somehow, like, considering how it's going to impact on the next series of songs we're going to work out. I mean, I also, I watch, I actually watch quite a lot of TV and I do. Um, What's, what are your favorites right now? Well, I've been watching the looming tower. I don't, I've never even heard yeah, of it. Yeah. That's about the, about the lead up to nine 11 and mm-hmm. the nine 11 attacks. And it's about the CIA and the FBI. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of, I think it's a sort of, we're going through like a Renaissance period for, uh, for TV, for sort of long form TV. I think it's just fantastic kind of dramas on Netflix, particularly, but on Hulu. And, um, and I, I, I need to, it takes me a couple of hours to wind down at night. You know, I can't sort of, you know, I mean, I, I, I won't do any like business you oh, know, yeah. sort of after six thirty, seven o'clock really. Yeah. I have to get that out of my head. Yeah. Um, before, if I'm going to fall asleep peacefully. Yeah. Same. Do you and so you did a little bit of acting, you know, mm. in the Alison Anders yeah. movie and other things. Do you think about would you want to do? No, TV not really. Now? I mean, there are just too many people that uh, it's their life's work, you know. And um, I mean, that, that was that was the experience that I had, you know. I mean, I, I I did a few things, and and I would encounter these people that you know they felt about acting uh, the way I felt about music. I mean, you're lucky if you can identify one passion. 
You know, if you can really, if you can say, you know what, that's my thing and I'm going to spend my life dedicated to that, which is how I feel about music. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that, you know, that I'm also, I've, I'm so gifted, right. you know, that I could be an actor, you know, it's, it's a little much. <laughs> but I have to say, you know, I've been working on a musical with Nick and, um, and so we've been, uh, you know, we've been working on the dialogue and we've been working on actors and occasionally I'll stand in as one of the, as one of the, I mean, we both do, we'll both occasionally stand in and, and that exchange with actors is really good fun. And it's, and it, and, uh, and I can see why it's so appealing to people and it, and it sort of appeals in the way that, you know, that performing music does. I always like, you know, that like someone counts off the song or the lights go down at the beginning of the show and it's like this suspension of reality and the music takes mm-hmm. over and also the like the partnership it's you know like where I'm, when i'm playing a song you know i'm playing it with like four five six other people and it's this kind of like it's a conversation that we're having mm-hmm. but it's but but the terms of the conversation are entirely the song are entirely the music and um, and i love that because it's you know it's not about it's not this you know, it's because that's what it is. And um, and then, you know, the lights come up and you're backstage and it's back to personalities and it's back to, mm. you know, everybody's opinions. And, and, and that's how we tend to go through the day, right? We're right. sort of bouncing around from one person's opinion to another. Or that's how we that's how we communicate. And, um, and acting has that too. You know, it's like someone says action or you start the scene and it's like and everything else, uh, you know, butts out. It well, it's the escape. Of, yeah. It's that, exactly. it's, it's soccer, it's uh, alcoholism, you know, it's for me work. It's that, you know, yeah. escape from, yeah. from yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, life's quite challenging, isn't it, in terms of yeah. like, you know, you've got to keep making it up, making it up. And, and also, I say make it up, but you've got to be careful to keep your story straight, <laughs> you, know, you know, so you don't get caught out, you know. So, so you know, throughout the day, I, I was reading yesterday that um, – you know that the speed of our culture is such that um, you encounter four times as many words. We encounter four times as many words today than we would have done thirty years ago. You uh, mean just online and? Well, yeah. I mean, just the, I mean, everywhere. online is a big is a big part. Yes. Of it. Yes. I mean, as an information uh, sort of delivery system. So that's a very positive way to look at it. Is it? Well, well, it just means you need more processing power, which right. is why you know I can't find my. Com- computer cable and when you they arrive and you go you mean that computer cable right, and right. i say yes that one because my brain has been occupied with there's so much processing going on yeah you know um and uh yeah i mean it's uh i mean i also go back and forth from the united states to to england all the time and that also you know requires a certain amount of you know i mean i feel like i'm i do a lot of juggling actually and and, and throughout the course of any given day, at least once, often twice, I feel like I'm just about to drop all the plates. Mm. And, uh, mm. you know, and it's just like, oh, you're gonna do it. okay, I've got it, I've got it. You know, they're all still there. <laughs> Yet sometimes I just trip out on how much is expected of us to even just remember. You know, I was telling you I just got back from Toronto and it was like losing my passport and losing my keys. And it's like, God, this world really has high expectations of us. Well, I mean, you didn't have to go. You know, true. True. <laughs> you know, I, mean, but, I mean, you can always choose to stay home all day. True, um, but, but <laughs> even driving around LA, I just sort of am like, wow, there's just so much that I'm expected to be able to handle, and I do. 
Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I think all of us, all of us, are, we are, all, our lives are the center of hurricanes. They're, we're all at the center of our own tornado. Mm-hmm. And some of it is personal and some of it is impersonal. You know, I think the 24-hour news cycle has a lot to answer for. I think that that has raised the fear level, um, you know, so that there's all this, there's this noise that's going off, constant, this constant presence of, of a fear that really wasn't there 20, 20 years ago. Um, you know, the conversation. I mean, one of the things I do love about AA, one of the things I really do love about the 12-step program is that it's very neutral. You know, we are non-political, we are apolitical. And uh, I feel it's, it's very important. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that I have that, um, that, you know, something that is such a big part of my life is apolitical. Not that I'm not, you know, one way over the other, but I don't have to, you know, dedicate my life to being angry at half the population. Right. You know, and I, I, I don't want to be that, right. you know, and... Uh, you know, and I've come to, you know, appreciate, I mean, I had a very elite, rarefied education as an adult. You know, I mean, I, you know, I made money quite early on. I was, I was a star. I got some, I, I got surrounded by love and, and, uh, you know, and, and certain kinds of, 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 of yes men and certain kinds of sycophancy. But my experience in 12 Step in the 12 steps has, has, has brought so many people into my life that I would never have gotten to know. Right. You know, and, um, and I'm so grateful for that because I really feel like I've got a sense of, I've got a sense of, of, of people, of, of, of the real world. Right. That's and, interesting. Uh, and, you know, and I also, I'm very much about the similarities rather than the differences. We just got back from Russia actually. And, uh, you know, and I'm, and I, and, and people would say to me, oh, my God, Russia. I mean, and I'm like, they're people just like us. Right. You know, and their politicians are just like ours. And their media is just like ours. But at the end of the day, the people are just like you and I. Right. You know, but, but there are these systems, without getting too, like, that, that want to keep us apart. Yeah. And I feel that, like... You know, it's very easy to fall into a trap where you start buying into the differences. Oh, you know, I'm different than X. You know, you know, I'm different. You know, Americans, we're different to blah, blah. You know, I'm a Catholic. I'm different for all these differences that really, my experience, just kind of isolate us. Absolutely. And uh, I, don't, I don't want to hear about that. I want to hear about how we are all the same. We have all the same needs. We have all the same likes, appreciations. That's another thing that's great about soccer. It's like it's total, it's total, totally democratic deal, mm-hmm. and it's one of the things I'm most proud of about my achievements as a musician. Every time I walk out on stage, I see all kinds of people, you know, and uh, and I see people that perhaps wouldn't normally hang together, but we create an environment. Our music is the excuse for people to come, and you know, and I, I really, really appreciate that. You mm-hmm. know, I've come to that's something I probably appreciate more than almost anything about what we get to do yeah because we really i'd never heard that before like you'd look for the similarities and not the differences and my mind was just this sponge when i came in anything people told me yes thank god i was only 
you know, I didn't encounter any like super sick people who told me really crazy things because I I would have done it. Um, and I that had never occurred to me either. Um, you know, okay, so something that I'm very interested in, it's something that I I read that you said it was sort of about being in an extended adolescent, like still feeling like, um, you know, we're adolescents. I, I, you know, it said that alcoholism sort of freezes you at the age that you start becoming alcoholic or start using, but also fame, fame has to be a double freeze. Do you think that's true? Uh, yeah, I think it is. Um, I mean, there's a lot of responsibilities that, you know, that you have to take on in, in, in normal life that that you simply don't have to deal with if you're, you know, if you're successful, really. You know, I mean, famous, yes, but successful. Uh, people uh, offer their services to you and you think, well, why don't I just pay this guy to open my mail and pay my bills? Because then it gives me more time to, well, theoretically, it gives me more time to create (laughs) but also more time to self-destruct um yeah i mean look that's uh i think we're all i think i don't really know anybody that doesn't have like that is fully their age you know nobody you know uh you know i'm a i'm a man in his late 50s that is wrestling with a 14 year old boy continually right you know that just happens to be in me right um you know but i'm also kind of wrestling with a 25 year old you know that kind of missed out when we toured and mm. and that 25 he kind of has his you know he kind of cr- comes up sometimes and you know and i've got to like sit down and talk to him and reason with him and you know i've got to like basically t- let let all these personalities <laughs> inside me know i've got this Right. It's all right. We're all going to be all right. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, it's never too late to be. Um, it's never too late to be fully responsible. Um, but I don't think anybody is entirely responsible from from the from the get go. And um, and even you know, we tend to see people. I mean, I know guys that have a very, I would say, heightened sense of responsibility. Like guy that sings in my band i mean he's he's the eldest of three brother of, of three brothers and he's like he's the captain you know he he has an extraordinary ability to soak up responsibility you know but you know and i'm not saying this about him but i've seen guy, guys got like that who then get it between the eyes when they least expect it to because they haven't been tending the garden you know mm. because they haven't been really they've been subjugating you know, their, their younger selves, you know, because, you know, I mean, at different times in our lives, we get, you know, things get expected of us, right? I think that uh, very few of us get uh, raised appropriately every step of the way, you know, yeah. you know, like we get, we get treated like a four-year-old when we're four, we get treated like a 10-year-old when we're 10, we get treated like a 16-year-old. More often than not, we're either babied or we're expected to be more than we are, depending on the, depending on the experience. It's, um, I mean, I quite enjoy, and you may have noticed, I'm, I don't have a problem talking about this stuff, and I find it quite fascinating, actually. Um, I, uh, I just find myself eternally fascinating. And I say that meaning, like, I find human humanity, yes. I find all of us eternally fascinating. I mean, I know more about me than I do about you. Right. So, you know, I can put the pieces together when I you know, when I weigh up my own existence. But essentially, it's all about being the best, showing up for the day, you know, and being the best person that we can be, right, with the people that we encounter. Yeah. Um, 
you know, there's something in one of the in one of the books that uh, gets read in 12-step programs where it says, you know, essentially, you know, our job today is to be, is to have the best possible relationship with everybody that we encounter on a day-by-day basis. And I say that's the biggest fucking understatement, right. you know, in the whole, you know, in all of the, the writings of the 12-step program, because it's like, well, yeah, but, you know, it, that's an, actually a pretty tall order, you know, because it's like, well, what about them? What right. are they doing? You right. know, well, that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to just, you know, as I go through the day, just uh, just show the best side of myself to, to to everybody that I encounter. And it's not always it's not always easy. You don't always want to do that, do you? I certainly don't. But I will say, and this is not in a sycophantic way, you are so surprisingly nice and I will say that many people say that not the surprising part but they're just like he's just so nice Mm. it's not really a terribly common thing I think particularly for somebody in your position I don't know Um, but it's but it's notable I think that you're doing that the expression I find the most ridiculously like sort of thrown off and are like are you kidding me just live life on life's terms Mm. it's like do you get how hard life's terms are when you say that to me casually? It's just, they're, they're rough. And I'm understanding them more and more every day. Right. I mean, you know, to a degree, you, you can kind of choose the way in which those terms are fra- framed, you know, and we can look at, we can look at, uh, I mean, you know, this is going to, I mean, anybody that's listening to it that doesn't, that doesn't, isn't in a 12-step program, you know, one of the, one of the slogans is, you know, I don't always know what's best for me. Yeah. You know, it's like, and that, when I first heard that, I'd be like, wait a minute, what, how can that possibly be? You know, and then, I, and then I'd realize that, well, no, sometimes things happen not according to my wishes and they're great. Absolutely. And it's like, and if I'd have done it that way, I mean, we're often, the band will often argue about, like, I think we should do this. We should go here and do this. And somebody else will say, well, I don't think we should. I think we should, you know, and we'll have this like back and forth, back and forth. And, and I don't get my way, let's say. And I'm disgruntled, you know, and it's something different happens to what I wanted to have happen. And a few weeks later, I go, damn, I'm so glad that happened. So, and I think that when you can acknowledge something like that, it opens your world in a way, because we're, we're basically, most of us are just trying to like keep everything together. If we, I could just keep things under control, if I can just keep everything in the bag, in my arms and hold it really tight, I'm going to be okay. And the idea that actually, you know what, you know what, things can happen and you, and they're going to be, you know, and they're going to be good. You may not, you may not, they may not be the things you want to have happen. I mean, and that gets us to like the idea of faith, right? Which is like this idea that that you can let go of something and go, okay, you know what? All right, so it's not going to go the way I want it to go, but I'm going to have faith that it's going to be okay and it's going to resolve itself in a productive, you know, positive way. Um, I mean, all of these these things have been so so useful to me. Yeah. I mean, I was raised a Catholic, right? But I had no I had no real faith in the God of Catholic Church there were too many rules and too many ideas that I couldn't wrap my mind around I mean I remember I used to sit in sitting school I went to a Catholic school and I was like six and you know they'd be telling us just the simple things like yes well Jesus walked on the water and and he did this and then 
And then when, um, and then there was the, you know, these miracles. Yes, when he fed, 5,000 people showed up and everybody was hungry, but one person had a loaf and two fish and they passed the basket around and everybody ate, everybody got something and there was still crumbs left in the basket. And I'm thinking, how can that be? And the trick, in, and I did write about this, but the trick with Catholicism, you put your hand up in the class and you say, please, miss, I don't understand that. And they say, well, you don't even ask. You don't even ask a question because if you ask a question, you could, well, let's say God could wreak revenge on you tonight. So you kind of have to like everything. Catholicism is like, okay, okay, I believe, I believe, I believe. And uh, actually, when I got sober, somebody gave me uh, Emmett Fox's mm -hmm. Sermon on the Mount. And in his, and he translates the ideas of the Bible. And one of the things he says is that when, when food or drink is, is, is talked about in the, the Bible, such as when Jesus changed the water in, into wine at the wedding at Cana, you know, one of the great, you know, Bible stories, you know, he's talking about spiritual nourishment. And actually, you know, 5,000 people were together. Jesus spoke. He did his turn. Anthony Robbins thing. He spoke and everybody left, nourished in their hearts and souls. Now that makes perfect sense to me. Why couldn't your Why, teacher have answered that? Well, because they don't they they don't think like along those lines, do they? Right. I mean, I don't, or at least this the Catholic teachers that I encountered didn't didn't have you know they 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 didn't present that kind of thinking. So I've had to go you know I've had to go elsewhere to get those kinds of ideas. Um, but um, yeah, the idea that you know things are going to get that I don't have to be the one that makes everything happen that I can let things happen and that the chances are that they, that things will work out at least as good as if I'd have been at the wheel or maybe even better. I find that when I can remember that, always true. When I can't remember that, which is about half the time, yeah. never true. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, getting fired or bad things, things that are inarguably bad, when I can just really believe that, always better. Yeah. Always. Um, well, okay, so we have to get towards wrapping up. Final question. What would you tell somebody who is struggling, believes they may have a problem? What are your words of wisdom for that? Well, I mean, I think that the, you know, 12 steps... 12-step 12, 12 program of, like, Alcoholics Anonymous. He's out there. Everybody's heard of it. Most people who aren't a part of it think it probably wouldn't be for them. Yeah. Um, I think that it's a very, it's the most inclusive church you will ever visit. Um, I've had, I've had some extraordinary experiences um, taking uh, one very old and dear friend and introducing him to the program and really you know, just watching the people in the meetings just carry him off, you know, and 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 and, and surround, you know, surround him with love and and um, I mean, it's it, it it's a remarkable it's a remarkable thing. Anybody that takes that step, you know, that actually like you know goes online and checks out you know twelve step meetings in their neighbourhood and like finds something that kind of works for them and goes along, I think uh, I think it, it's always worth you know, it's always worth taking that step. It may not be, it may not be exactly what you need, but uh, if you feel like you've got a problem, um, you know, what really have you, what have you got to lose? Like two hours out of your life. 
right. to check it out. And, um, you know, I think once you've got one foot in, a lot of people talk about it as being a cult. I, I definitely don't see it like that. I don't see it as any more of a cult than being a supporter of Chelsea FC or, you know, a fan of Kendrick Lamar. It's just a group of people that are all, that have these similar, this similar interest and they're together, they're, they're you know, they're, they're, they're attacking this problem. It's almost like a, they're like these laboratories, aren't they, all, mm-hmm. over, all over the world, you know, where people are just trying to work through these issues, these personal and social issues. Um, but I, I, I say, you know, go online and check out meetings local to you and, um, you know, check it out. And on that note of calling labs, which I love because I've never heard that, you don't like the first lab, there's probably another one near you or a third or a fourth. So, um, well, this has been fabulous. Thank you so much for Mm -hmm. doing this. And you, listener, thank you. There's more than one. I want you to know that listeners, but I'm talking individually to you. Um, If you like this podcast and this episode, please go review it. Why not? It's wonderful to hear from you. And I really, really appreciate that. And this has been an amazing episode. And I have a tagline, but I'm always forgetting it. It's a new thing. Um, We all have dark, so we can all share our light. So go out there and hustle your light, light hustler. I think that was it. Okay, bye.